Yes, this is EM Case's Best Case Ever mini-podcast series, and I'm your host, Dr. Anton Hellman. This is the third of our series, Cars Cases, with the one and only Dr. David Carr. This series, again, is about diagnoses that seem like they might be zebras, but in fact, they're not so rare that you really need to know about. This particular one was written up in the most recent CGEM journal, along with one of our all-star residents, Dr. Joel Lockwood. So I'm working in a minor shift, and one of the jobs of being the minor doc is I get to review all the old lab work, all the abnormal cultures. Uh, that's the real fun part of our job, isn't it? So one of my charge nurses comes up to me, and she says, Dave, you're going to kill me. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you remember that patient? You know, there was some patient who was here a few days ago. I, I showed you the uh, culture result. It was MRSA positive. You weren't overly excited. It was an abscess. I said, yeah. She said, well, I called her to see how she was feeling, like you asked. And she said, she feels horrible. So I'm bringing her in. I said, oh, that's okay. I don't, I don't mind. If she feels horrible, we should see her. So, I don't know, two hours later on my shift, it's the middle of July, and I go see this 33-year-old young female. She's wearing a trench coat and a Montreal Canadiens hat, and she's head down, face down. Now, apart from she was wearing a Montreal Canadiens hat, that wasn't the biggest problem here. The biggest problem here is it's July, and she's wearing a full trench coat, and she's got rigors, and she's lying face down in my minor area. I have no idea that this is the person with the abnormal culture result, but then I realized this is her. It doesn't add up. So I said, what's going on? She's a 33-year-old female who uh, presented with a suprapatellar abscess around her left knee. Um, she was seen in our emerge about three days prior, for which an, an incision and drainage was correctly done. Now, at that point, the decision was made to give her some ANSEF, not a medication to cover MRSA or anything like that, but she was given a dose of ANSEF and she was sent home. She came back to the eMERGE two days later and it was getting a little bit worse and the treating physician at that time did a really good job to improve the incision and drainus and then he suggested placing her on SEPTRA for seven days, one tablet double strength. And that seemed to be really doing the part. We got the culture back two days later. So this is when I get involved. And it shows that she has MRSA. And depending on where you practice, kind of the most current evidence in Toronto is if we look at skin and soft tissue infections, we're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% is MRSA. And I know the sense the those rates vary throughout the world and, and the country and, and the states as well. So when I see her, she looks terrible. I mean, from the bedside, she looks terrible. I said, how's your knee? She said, my knee's completely fine. I can move it. It's not red. It's cured. But I just have this horrible headache. She has meningismus. She has jolt. She's in severe distress. She's got a temp of 36.6, blood pressure 120 over 80. Uh, Sats are fine. Heart rate's fine. But she looks terrible. So my thought is, this woman has meningitis. I give her a dose of dexamethasone. I give her some ceftriaxone and vanco, and I'm, I'm concerned of this person. So was your first thought that the knee infection had somehow caused a bacterial meningitis, even though the knee was better? Yeah, complete. I, I didn't get it, Anton. Like, I was like, well, how did that? Your knee's perfect. How do you have meningitis now? But you obviously had a nidus for infection. Maybe someone seeded. You must have something in in your brain now. So she's got a strange story. She's been sick for five days. I decided to CT her before LP. That's a whole other discussion. So we do the labs. She's got a white count of 3.8, a lactate of one, normal lights, normal coags, and I do the LP. Her LP shows 100 white cells with 87% lymphs. 
She subsequently goes on to have negative blood cultures, a negative gram stain. And I'm thinking about this woman. She looks terrible, despite being probably an aseptic meningitis or viral meningitis. I refer her on to medicine. And medicine is the chief of medicine, is the staff covering that day. And I say to him, what's going on here? What am I missing? Her knee's perfect. Why does she have meningitis? And he looks at me and he says, Dave, she has drug-induced aseptic meningitis from Septra. And I said, wow. He said, long before you practiced, when we started to introduce NSAIDs in the 70s, we used to have something called Motrin meningitis, where all these autoimmune lupus patients would get NSAIDs and then they would have a meningitic-like reaction. But drug-induced aseptic meningitis from Septra is the most common cause of aseptic meningitis. And why I think that is so important is because in the world of MRSA that we're all practicing now, we've started to use Scepter again. I hadn't used Scepter for years until MRSA reemerged, and now I'm using it quite often in my serious skin and soft tissue infections. So we're using it. We're going to see it. And I think about all these pilos who probably had sensitivities that were sensitive to Septra, that we gave them a dose of Septra, and they came back to emerge because they had a fever and a headache and they felt terrible. And we said, ah, it's probably the Septra. And you switch them to Cipro and they felt dramatically better. Not because their urine was getting treated, because when you stop the offending agent, the drug-induced aseptic meningitis ends. And this is a type 3 or 4 hypersensitive reaction in your meninges. So essentially, it's like your brain just starts with this reaction and you get systemically unwell. And it kind of functions like an allergy in that you shouldn't have that drug again. But it can be seen in patients who've had that drug prior. What we know is that if we give the drug again, the aseptic meningitis happens earlier after taking the drug and it's much more severe. Wow. So this can be recurrent. So this will be recurrent. It's really a diagnosis of exclusion. Look, you think someone has meningitis, you got to go down the path of pretreatment with antibiotics, consideration of steroids, lumbar puncture. But what was fascinating is the second Herceptor dose was missed, she was better. By the next day, she went home. Her gram stain was normal. She was back to normal. All she needed was to stop the Septra. We will see drug-induced aseptic meningitis again. And you will see it because of Septra, the most commonly prescribed drug that causes this and a drug that you're now prescribing again. Yeah, I mean, we used to use Septra for UTIs quite often. Septra has some other problems with it as well besides aseptic meningitis. Can you just review for our listeners what other things to look out for with Septra? Yeah, look, it's got a bad rap. The best thing about Septra is it's cheap. The worst thing about it has got some serious stuff. The big one you're always told about is Stevens-Johnson. That's the one that everyone talks about. This is kind of new on the list. The other one you don't always talk about is hyperkalemia from Septra. You do see that, especially on the big doses in your HIV patient population. So I've seen some of my PCP-traded or prophylactically-treated patients come in with severe arrhythmias because of hyperkalemia with Septra. The other thing, of course, is people are quite often allergic to Septra and sulfa classes of drugs. So you will see allergies. So it's not a drug I had recommended until we found that it's nearly 100% sensitive for MRSA and it's dirt cheap and we're using it a lot. But don't be terrified of Septra for MRSA. It's still, when I have an MRSA cellulite that I think needs coverage, I'm still using something like Cephalexin plus Septra. But I think now on your list of things to worry about with Septra, you have to add drug-induced aseptic meningitis. Because as you said, Anton, 
I had no idea how this totally healed knee infection caused meningitis. And now I know. Just a quick announcement. There's an amazing emergency medicine conference coming up November 3rd and 4th in Toronto. It's the University Health Network 2014 Emergency Medicine Conference. Dr. Carr is going to be speaking there, as well as Amal Matu, Anil Chopra, Joel Yaffe, Eric Latofsky, and a whole slew of other great EM cases guest experts will be there. I'll be giving a talk there. I hope you come on by. If you want to learn more about aseptic meningitis, then go to the blog post and you'll see the link to Dr. Carr's article in CGEM. So until next time... Take it easy.